Welcome to another edition of Running the Race with Rob King. I'm so glad that you're with us today. We are now in Revelation chapter 8. We're going to cover verses 6 through 13. If you have your Bibles, you can open them with you, with you, with me. (laughs) We're in that dreaded uh, seventh seal, right? The breaking of the seventh seal. The tribulation is getting worse and worse. And it's, uh, it's growing closer and closer together. It's happening rapid fire, and they're getting more and more severe. The judgments of God are more and more severe. There's seven trumpets in this seventh seal, and from the seventh trumpet, there's going to be bowl judgment. So it just gets worse from here on out. Today, we're going to cover the first four trumpets. Um, This is the most straightforward of all of the trumpets and kind of what's going on. But before we get into that, let me just remind you and myself that in the midst of all of this judgment that we've been reading about now for a while, it is God who is doing this. These are God's actions. This is God's judgment. This is what He, God, is doing. He is in heaven and He does what He wants, by the way. God is not at our beck and call. We don't, although we may try to create a God in our image, we don't create God. God doesn't need us. He is self-sufficient. He is all-powerful. He is almighty. He is God. Now, we know He's merciful and loving. Yes, yes, yes. But He's also prone to do whatever He wants to do, whatever He sees fit. Everything He does is right. It's holy. He's pure. It's important that we're reminded of this because we're living in a day and age where we hear so little about God's judgment, right? God is greater than we know Him to be. We are far more foul than we actually think we are. This is just a general rule. It is true. We are not as bad as we think we are, and we are uh, we are way worse than we think we are compared to God. But also, what is also true is that God is greater than we imagine Him to be. Until we see him, I mean, we glorify him now, those of us who know him, but, but we've only seen now in part, then we'll see in full his glory. And this is why in heaven they were bowing to him and falling on their faces and worshiping him. They saw him for who he is. God is greater than we know him to be. Will you just admit that right now? He's greater than you could ever imagine him to be. And we are worse than we think we are. This is, this is a holy God versus sinful human beings. This is a great general rule, by the way, of, of human nature. We think too little of God and His glory, and we think too much of ourselves. But based on the holiness of God, the reprehensible nature of man, uh, and, and this in comparison of the two, God is completely just to, to do all of this judging. I think back to the story of Saul. You'd have to read this. It's just on my mind. Saul was king, and God told him to utterly destroy an enemy. When he refused to totally destroy the enemy, he held back the king. He held back some of the best of the livestock. It was the prophet of God that came in and basically had this king hacked up into pieces. And it seemed, oh, that seems fierce. That seems terribly judgmental. But it was for the sake of of holiness, for the sake of obeying God, and for the sake of curbing God's judgment 
away from the people. The prophet obeyed what the Lord wanted. So God in Revelation is judging sinners. We need to be very clear on this. It's also good for us to remember that we are all deserving of God's judgment. It's people ask, how can a loving God put people in hell? The question really is, why would a loving God make a way for us to get out of hell by his grace and mercy? We are all, we all kind of stand unholy and completely condemned before Almighty God. We deserve hell. Remind yourself of this when you feel like you've been mistreated. Uh, remind yourself of this when you want to complain about something or you feel like someone is, is doing you wrong. Are you, you say, well, I don't deserve it. Uh, you don't really want to get what you deserve. Let me just be brutally honest with you. Now, th- those of you who believe in Scripture already know this is true. You deserve hell. I deserve an eternity separated from God because of my sinfulness, because of my unholiness. I am not worthy to be in God's presence. What I really deserve is hell for all of eternity. That seems harsh, but it is absolutely true. And so if you're ever mistreated and you start to say, well, I don't deserve this, ask yourself the question, do you really want what you deserve? I've said this to myself today, like, I don't deserve that. And then I thought, Lord... I deserve far worse. I deserve far worse. So I just make it grateful right now, just for his grace and his mercy. I deserve far worse, right? It's only by the grace of God that those of us who do know him actually know him. It's a work that he has done in our heart, the work that he has done in our lives. It's the work that he did on the cross that allows us to be saved. So God is completely just in all that he is doing. We need to reconcile that notion in our mind. I have a feeling there will be people who will listen to this who will be completely upset. I mean, angry. Because by nature, there's many people who judge God and and can't stand God. And the fact that God would judge us is uh, reprehensible to arrogant mankind, right? So today, we're going to deal with the first four trumpets of this seventh seal being broken. There's a third of the earth, a third of the sea, and waters, and sun, and stars. They're all going to be affected by these trumpets. This is kind of an earthbound uh, retribution. Um, And just again, before I read this, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you this question. What does God deserve? I talked about what man deserves. What does God deserve? What does God deserve from us? Uh, Many times we'll ask that question of what we deserve, but the question we need to start with is what does God deserve? Because of who God is, because of His glory, because of His holiness, He deserves human beings to worship Him full-time, to honor Him, to glorify Him, to submit to Him, to repent before Him, to glorify Him and magnify Him in every way possible. This is what God deserves. So these people that are being destroyed in Revelation are those who deserve to be destroyed. Are we still okay right now? Especially for my United States of America listeners. They deserve to be destroyed. We deserve to be destroyed. Okay, I've set the groundwork on that. Let's get into it. Look at Revelation chapter 8, starting in verse 6. The seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. 
The first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. This hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned. So recall again that in the last few verses before these uh, verses that I just read, there was 30 minutes of silence in heaven. They anticipated the horrific nature of these trumpet judgments. In this passage, the first four trumpets, they're going to do damage to the earth. The fact that uh, a third is referred to so many times tells us that this is not the final judgment, because the final judgment will destroy them all, but this is leading up to, and we're getting, we're getting dangerously close to the final judgment. It's getting worse and worse, closer together, but it begins with hail, which is always a sign of divine judgment, then and fire mixed with blood. This could be uh, actual blood, or it, it could just be the spewing of the water in relation to all of the dust and gases associated with the hail and all the other terrible things that are happening on the earth at this moment. At any rate, these things were thrown to the earth by God with devastating effects. So, there would be these uh, widespread fires, total decimation of livestock and crops and ecosystems and watershed, and all of this not brought about by any man or his ability to destroy the earth, but by God and his desire to punish sinners. Now, as we read about the destruction of the earth, we're also prone to think about so many who worship so-called Mother Earth, idolize so-called Mother Nature, and so many people nowadays are afraid that humans are going to destroy the earth, but we find in Revelation that God alone is the one who can destroy the earth. Now the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures which were in the sea that had life, died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Okay, so uh, let's think about this. The first trumpet fell on the land. That, that judgment uh, uh, destroyed so much of the earth, but then this one falls into the sea. This would be like a, a, a giant asteroid or meteorite is probably the appropriate thing to think about. It was uh, kind of this, this surrounded by fire, this meteorite. Okay, thrown to the earth, thrown to the the sea. Everyone is going to see this happen either in person or through television. If you can imagine the fear that will strike the hearts of the people at this moment who see this, the effect of this hitting the water would be like a bomb. The scripture says that a third of the sea will become blood. And uh, a third of the creatures which are in the sea will die. Now, it's impossible to say whether this is actual blood, again, or just a red hue, but no matter what, it means the truth is there will be massive death in the ocean. And then a third of the ships as well, which will bring economic chaos, you can imagine. Now, that's just two of the trumpets. We've already seen devastation in the land, devastation in the sea, because God is unleashing punishment on a sinful, rebellious world. This will be as it was in the days of Noah, if you think about it. God destroyed all of humankind, all of mankind, and left eight people. Um, So here's what it says. It goes on, and it says, The third angel sounded, 
and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell and, and on one-third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. The name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. Okay, so when the third angel sounds this trumpet, there is some celestial body that falls from heaven. It's not the sun, it's not the moon, but it looks like a burning torch coming out of the sky. If you can picture that like a meteorite, right? It's, it's, it's flying through the earth like we would see Halley's Comet, and behind it, there's this torch-looking flame of fire, right? looks like a burning torch coming out of the sky, and it pollutes the water. This is reminiscent of how God uh, used the prophet to turn uh, bitter waters sweet, but now it's going to be sweet waters becoming uh, bitter. The star is called Wormwood. It referred, it's referred eight different times in the Old Testament, Wormwood. And it's always associated with poison, bitterness, and death. Uh, Jeremiah 9 says, Behold, I will feed them, this people, with wormwood and give them poison water to drink. So the waters that were fresh are, are, are now made bitter. Like I said, the opposite of the miracle at Mira, where the bitter water was made sweet. Sweet water becoming bitter, and then many men died from the waters. In other words, the fresh water supply will be gone, and it will mean widespread death. So far in this trumpet, uh, these trumpets, there's been a death that has happened from a distance, if you will, right? But eventually, with the sixth trumpet, we're going to see death more up close and personal. But we, got, we can't go there quite yet. It goes on and says, The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars were smitten, so that a third of them would be dark, and then the day would not shine for a third of it, and the night the same way. Then I looked and heard an eagle flying in midheaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Now, can you imagine this judgment that, that, that is happening right now, but this, this eagle that's flying in midheaven is saying it's, it's going to get even worse for anybody who's still on the earth. Woe to them three times. The fourth trumpet. Woe three times. I, I want you to imagine with me what's going to be going on in the world. What will be happening on the news, for example? Imagine all of the humanists and scientists and people in lab coats who don't know God as they try to explain away everything that's happening in the world and on the earth and the sun and the sky, probably blaming it on, I don't know, global warming or something maybe, and the sea. They'll blame all of this on something. They'll come up with some scientific reason. They'll come up with some kind of answer because they will continue to disbelieve in God. We hear about the sun and the moon and light and darkness being affected by God's judgment. Then we immediately think of like how Isaiah said in Isaiah, Isaiah 13, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel, with fury, and burning anger, to make the land a desolation, and he will exterminate its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light, 
The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shed its light. Or Joel says this, The heavens tremble, the sun and moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. That's from Joel. Even Amos. Amos says that I shall make the sun go down at noon and make the earth dark in broad daylight. I mentioned this in a previous uh, podcast, but it's really amazing when you start to look at the prophets and you read their prophecies in the Old Testament where they're specifically talking about the end times. And this is what John is seeing. He is agreeing with them. He's making this, uh, this uh, I want to say we're making this connection when we see that. When you understand Revelation, when you understand the judgments of God, you will see it in Psalm and Joel and Amos and all over, even the Lord Jesus, of course. He said there will be signs and sun and moon and stars, Luke 21 and Mark 13. So, When there's this stuff happening in the sky, it sets the stage for this announcement because John looked up and he heard this eagle uh, talking who was flying in mid-heaven, which is the height that would basically be visible to everybody in the world. This is a bird of prey making this announcement, and three times this eagle says, whoa, it simply means that there's massive judgment and condemnation, right? There's all of this destruction taking place, and woe to those who remain on the earth who have to endure the last ones. In other words, if you thought that was bad, it's going to get even worse. Here's what's the most maybe amazing, is that people still aren't repenting and turning to God in the middle of this. We know this because it says later on, I think... um, Around the sixth trumpet, the rest of mankind who are not killed by these plagues did not repent of the work of their hands so uh, as not to worship demons and the idols of gold and silver and of brass and stone or wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or sorceries or of their immorality or of their thefts. In other words, people didn't repent. What does that tell you about? That tells you the total depravity of man. We don't seek after God. We don't love God naturally. The only way we seek God is if he has sought us out. The only way we love God is if we have his love first in our hearts. It's not because we're so great. It's not because we've done something great. It's not because we made a great choice. It's because he first chose us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you're in a place where you can open your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 3. I'm almost done. Be a little bit shorter podcast today. Hebrews chapter 3, 7 and 8 says, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And this, this is where John MacArthur in the commentary concludes. And, and as you know, uh, we've been going through these uh, MacArthur commentaries, and uh, this is the one on Revelation. I want to make sure and say that so that uh, I'm not giving undue credit to myself for coming up with this. We, we, we study and hopefully, hopefully study to show ourselves approved, but uh, a lot of this material gaining from John MacArthur's study, uh, I want to make sure and give him the credit there where credit is due. This chapter ends uh, 
Hebrews chapter 3, and that's where I'm going to end as well. In the midst of all this judgment, this is what I would say. Is God just in doing this? People are still refusing to repent. Does this surprise you? Do you believe that God is just in this severe punishment? Do you see God is unjust in what he's doing? Do you really understand the total depravity of man? Do you understand how far away we are from holiness? Do you really understand God and know God? His scripture tells us that he's doing this. And I want to ask you this pointed question. Are you good with this? I'm asking you these questions because if you disagree with what's happening, you're disagreeing with God. I would say if you're disagreeing with God, you don't really know the God of the scriptures because this is the God of the scriptures. So what God do you know? There's only one true God. You know that. And he's revealed in scriptures. And this is the one true God, and this is what he does in the end. He is holy. He is wonderful. Yes, he's filled with mercy. He saves those who don't deserve it, but he also punishes those who do deserve punishment. I pray today that you would hear his voice. You wouldn't harden your heart. If you need to repent of your sins and give your life to God, you would do it now before it's too late. Father, thank you that you are not only filled with mercy and kindness and love, but you are also holy and pure. All of these things working together, you are just and righteous in your judgment. You're deserving of all glory and honor and praise. God, may our lives honor and glorify you in every way. May everything we say and everything we do and everything we think and every way we serve, may we love you with every part of our life and give you all of the glory that you deserve, that you deserve. Father, I pray for those who are listening today who may not know you, may not know the God of Scripture that you would arrest their heart, that you would draw them to yourself, and that you would save some today. In Jesus' name, amen.